Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover, all for just three bucks plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 5,000 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 5,000. Enjoy! You're listening to our Leftovers After Show on Sight and Sound TV. My name is Ryan Snelling, and as always, I'm joined by... That's me, J to the A to the Y to the E. Big fan of... Uh, what's this show called that this show made fun of? Perfect Strangers? Perfect Strangers. You're a big fan of that show? We're not Perfect Strangers. This is my seventh hour podcasting. and uh, your, <laughs> your eyes are glazed right now. Yeah, yeah, you're looking, you're looking pretty crazy. We're doing some weird thing where we're, you're wearing a blue hoodie and I'm wearing a red hoodie, and both of our hoods are up right now. It's because <laughs> we get really gangster. Yeah. We get really gangster when we watch and talk about the Wu Tang Clan. <laughs> yeah, right, Wu Tang Clan. We are here to discuss season three, episode two of the Leftovers. Uh, Don't be ridiculous is the title of the episode. First thing I want to do is thank everyone who listened to our first episode uh, last week. We were pretty happy with the response. Um, So hopefully that means that you like our show. And uh, I think based on the reaction that we saw online, uh, everyone is happy that The Leftovers is back. And we saw a lot of positive reaction on the TV Showtime app where this podcast is also also featured, right? Yeah, I mean, it was a huge it was like a huge thing to refresh our podcast feed and see all those people who had tuned in and listened and a big thank you and a big shout out to all you guys. And also a big thank you and a big shout out to the TV showtime people as well. Hopefully you guys uh, find something else on the podcast feed. You look around, there's something here for everyone and you get more Ryan Stelling and Jay Williams in your life. That's right. Yes. You may have found this podcast from the TV showtime app, but sight and sound it's also a separate engine that is running all the time. We're talking about music, movies, and television all over the place. Um, you can find our podcast feed via iTunes, Stitcher. Uh, we're on Podbean, anywhere podcasts are found. And we're also on YouTube. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's probably in the description. I, I, I think that if you see a description, you will find a YouTube link there as well. So come hang out with us on Sight & Sound. Um, we just did our summer preview for uh, right. summer music, summer movies, summer TV, all of that fun stuff. But we're here. We're talking about the leftovers right now. So screw all that. What do you think about this episode? I was going to say, do you want to get oh, down yeah? to business here? Yeah. yeah. What do you think about this episode? Do you, want, do you want like an overall thought before we dive deep? Or do you want the raw thoughts to be spliced in between? Okay. 
one word to describe this episode. Don't think about it too hard. Underwhelming? Oh, okay. Wow. Hot take already. Off the get-go. I mean, do I, I can go into it more. Mine would be surprising. Surprising? Yeah. That could be anything, Jay. That's yeah, I was I was surprised by the take of this episode. You know, the, there have been times in this show where we have gotten single character uh, episodes, where we, especially with Nora. It's happened, mm-hmm. I think, a couple times in the season, or I'm sorry, in the in the series so far. But to a get it on the second episode, and b to get it in this season at all, I didn't expect that. Well, I see both sides. I mean, I see it, the response I have to the fact that it's, you know, already here in the second episode is because we have less time to waste. Right. So it makes a whole lot of sense that we get to this point. But the other side of the coin is why waste your time on these solo episodes to begin with? Which I think for the most part, that's what this is. And this eight episode run, I thought we wasted a lot of time. I disagree. Okay. Um, let's all right. Let's go on yeah. and do this. Let's just do it now. Yeah. So, w- what I think happened was they answered or helped us understand a lot of the mysteries that we took away from episode one. Yes, agree. But episode one made those mysteries seem bigger than what they ended up actually being. So I guess maybe I feel disappointed by it. Oh, so wow, you're literally describing most of Lost. No, Lost did that to a T. It made I, I don't it agree made with you that. it made you think that a lot of things were bigger than they were, and they I don't think that's a true. lot of things have more simple answers than than you're led to believe. I agree with you. That was where I was going. That what's interesting about that take yeah. is that Lost, like <laughs> what I'm prescribing to the leftovers here, I should be even more happy with the leftovers because it it takes less time away. Like, I've only spent a much shorter amount of time worried about these mysteries, whereas Lost kept you worried about them for a long time and then arguably gave you an underwhelming answer to it. So I disagree heavily with your Lost take. Um, But, yeah, I mean, to kind of really what happened to Mama Murphy, I thought that something happened to her. It, it, It ended up just being divorce. Right. And I think... I think part of that is my fault. It's my fault that I feel this way only because their divorce was hinted at in in an episode of season two where Nora and I keep forgetting her name, Mama Murphy are having that cross examination in their living room uh, where they're running down great scene. Great scene. Yeah, it is great scene. They're running down all the, the lists from the, the claim of the, from the DSD or whatever. Uh, when you've lost a loved one and they have a great back and forth and sh- she reveals that she was about to leave John before Evie disappeared. So it makes sense, but I guess <laughs> I was so amped up and hyped up after episode one last week that I was making it something that it wasn't. So I'm admitting that it's my classic fault. lost rookie mistake. I mean, <laughs> I'm I'm fine with it. Look, yeah, I, I'm, I'm fine joking, with admit. But... I'm fine with admitting that it's my fault. Um, because look, I don't, I don't know what I thought, but w- what's your 
what's your opposite take? You feel the exact opposite that I do. Uh, well, sort of. I, my takeaway, my takeaway is actually the the same as you. We got a lot of things answered. It just they might not have been the answers we wanted, and in the way answered in the way that we wanted them answered as well. Like you know, you kind of figure you play some of these things out, but because we don't have as much time to waste, there's obviously a much bigger story to tell. Now yeah. here's here's the concern with this episode. The last the last time we had a, a Nora centric episode. Not just the last time we had a Nora-centric episode, but uh, the last time we had an episode similar to this is when another fantastical sort of claim was made about uh, the departures, about answering the departures, answering a lot of our questions and the people in the show's questions. It's like, why this? What happens if this? And we get this uh, appearance from, what's his name? Mark? Mark Lynn Baker. Mark Lynn Baker. And here's the problem with this show is that the well, not the show, but the episode and the show last time we had these fantastical claims to try to explain the things going on in the show, they were presented as some sort of hoax or some sort of thing that again, man of science, man of faith sort of thing. So when I see things like what this guy is presenting, of course it's super interesting. Of course I would love for the show to go down a, a rabbit hole like that, but you just can't trust it. You, you can't trust seeing things like that because it could, it could be complete BS. And that's what I'm wondering. What we learned from this episode is that someone like Nora, who has never, who didn't fall for a hoax, a similar hoax in season two, now seems to be falling for it in season three. The difference is, and what, what do you think that comes from? So in season, is that desperation? So in season two, it was about uh, blaming her. The hoax presented this theory, the lens theory, which was that particular people are at fault for their loved ones disappearing around them. Right. And th- this one is different. This one doesn't blame her. This one actually gives her hope. Um, but what's disappointing, though, is that what I've learned from the show as the audience member is that faith – can lead you down ridiculous paths. And the title of this episode is Don't Be Ridiculous. We saw One of the best examples of it is the existence of the guilty remnant. Faith can drive you to do insane things. Evie, in season two of The Leftovers, it eventually got her killed following that path. And it's frustrating as an audience member to see what I think is a hoax something that I don't want Nora to get involved in that according to what we've seen in this season, she absolutely falls for. And because not only does it take her to Australia, but the end of episode one shows us that she stayed in Australia. Right. We don't have context. We don't, of all we don't that, know but, why exactly, but yes, but she, it's also goes against everything that her character has really stood for. She has been the, I mean, her job is to refute Claims like these. I mean, she's been the one to lay down the law of there was one event, one set of departures, anybody claiming that there was a second event or some sort of sudden departure at a different date other than that one date is just complete, you know, it's asinine, so to speak. However, it is an interesting commentary and very good writing that sometimes people, when they they just have lost all hope or 
they need something to look towards in life, you will find people who aren't religious, aren't spiritual, who will pray regardless in the worst of times. And potential, you know, she's obviously in a very strange place because she has a family. She ha- she has these individuals in her life, and a life that's pretty straight laced. Of course, it's bonkers, it's wacky in yeah. in Jarden, Texas, but but she's still dealing with all of this other stuff. Um, and to, to see, as she would put it, uh, her coping mechanism. You know, I think it's interesting. Now, my question to you: so, so you've you've written that off. You don't think there's anything to take away from from that at all? No. Only the only reason why is because, like, I understand why it's in the show, but as far as that theory and that science meaning anything, uh, I can't subscribe to it the way I didn't subscribe to the fantastical stuff that was presented in season two. The Azrael stuff, too. right? Yeah. I I immediately wrote that off as factual or real last year when we covered it. Um, the only reason why I'm saying it this time is because we already know because of Damon Lindelof and Tom Parada, the point of the show is not to explain the event. So that's why you, you can't get behind this. I understand it being written in the show because that's, that's what the show does so well is get creative and also show what a world would actually be like if this sudden departure takes place. And this is very real. I think people would try to come up with this type of science. Totally get it. But as far as it being the the backbone of what the season is about, it's not. It's ultimately just about the journey it takes the character. I, I agree with you. And to, to sort of reinforce that fact, look, to, to bring this into the show – the show doesn't need an additional mystery. The show doesn't need a, additional mythology or mysticism in it because we've already got that. When they wanted to, when they actually want to inject that in the show, guess what they did? They killed Kevin. They sent him to a hotel and he came back from the dead. Like sure. they don't, I, I think we just have to be very careful what road we decide to spend our time on with right. stuff like this. And if they if they want to blow your mind, they'll do it, and they don't need to use any sort of strange thing like this to have that happen. Now, I will say, if that's the case, the only thing that I can grasp at, grasping at straws, the only thing I can do there is the fact that they would put this episode in this season. Yeah. I don't know why the show needs to deter us like that, other than maybe just sort of further diving in deep on Nora and her state of mind. Um, And also putting it as the second episode of the season. It's just, it seems strange to me other than maybe they're just trying to get it, get a, get it out of the way. Do you think this is something that we will see continue from episode to episode, focusing on one particular individual? Let me preface the rest of this podcast by telling our audience that we just finished watching the episode. So my girlfriend's we, watching it as we speak. For yeah. So basically we are kind of developing our thoughts as we're podcasting, which I kind of think is fascinating. Because I kind of think we're already starting to level ourselves out a little bit. So let me say that it's better to do it now than later. I think I think we would have been much more disappointed had this been the fifth or sixth episode. Absolutely. Um 
Look, I did find the mysteries interesting to begin with. Like, where's the baby? Where's Mama Murphy? All that stuff. So I'm not as down. I'm not as down on it as you might think based on my immediate reaction. It's still a good episode of television. Yes. It, I, I'm still fine with saying that's one of my least favorite of the whole series. But I'm like, you're someone who is, you know, thinks that season one's meandering and I'm more apologetic towards it. So, right. Uh, I, for the most part, I favor this show tremendously, but, uh, so it's fine that there was a, maybe a slight little step for me. But what I will say though, is that we, we brought up several points about how it kind of parallels previous Nora episodes and we're not exactly sure what place this episode has. Um, let's, let's, let's go back a little bit. Um, <laughs> did you, let, no, hold on. I'm sorry. Let me, I'm thinking on Collider TV talk. Yes. I watched Collider TV talk. They covered the episode and the host, Josh McCuga, um, made a great point that the first episode was so interesting because everyone was just a little too happy. Yeah. So on the surface level, on the surface level, we know that everyone's happy, but we still have, the result of Nora's cast on her arm. So the episode one tried to make you think everyone was happy, but as we dive deeper, it goes with your point that Nora is still dealing with desperate. And, you know, we find out that her arm is broken because she was hiding up a tattoo that originally was her children's names and then was, uh, hilariously covered up by the Wu Tang Clan tattoo. What an absurd uh, thing! I feel like I feel like Damon Lindelof and Tom Parada have been watching some Atlanta because th- what an absolutely <laughs> absurd thing to just throw into the show. Not only have they been watching Atlanta, but they were also watching Mr. Robot season two. Was that you called it out immediately that it felt like the Alf opening? Oh, a hundred percent. Because they were doing Perfect Strangers. It's not the only thing the show's paralleled with Mr. Robot. The inclusion of, of <laughs> Where's My Mind. <laughs> <Yeah>. I mean, <laughs> what the hell? It's unfortunately it, Leftovers always comes out second, <laughs> so it always looks like a copycat. Yeah, but it arguably is the better show. So, um, but this yeah. episode felt like a Mr. Robot season two episode to me. So that's what I do want to say. Like surface level, everything's good. There's still things going on underneath. But this this is an they, episode. They threw us some bones, though. This is a more fun take, a lighter take. Absolutely. This is the most light we've had the leftovers. They're having ever. some fun telling these stories, as yes. dense still as the show remains um, to be. The the whole theme song gimmick, which was so funny to us. Um, the fact that you include Mark Lynn Baker, I mean, that's just a punchline. And it's also um, a great, um, what word do I want? Not set up, uh, pull off, a great, uh, what's the word I want? Payoff. Payoff, yeah. Because they referenced that early on, that the fact that the cast of Perfect Strangers went missing. That was like a the, a huge callback to an earlier season, uh, which was great. Um, but I think that's another reason why, that's another tell that you can't, prescribed to that theory is because it's coming from such a ridiculous source you know what i mean can i interject one thing with mark lynn baker yeah two things one i said after the show when they ran the credits i said i don't know if there's another show that can say uh, in the credits uh mark lynn baker as himself (laughs) It's, it's hilarious i swear to you this is no joke i don't follow the only person i follow that's involved 
with the leftovers on Instagram is Damon Lindelof, and he's very inactive. I was going to say, I didn't even know he had an Instagram. So you don't follow through? No. I messaged him. Somebody this week, before this episode came out, on Instagram posted a picture of Mark Lynn Baker and his co-star in Perfect Strangers, and I have no idea who it is. Because once I, – I remember that show – and yeah. I definitely remember his face because I don't think he's been in like a ton of stuff. I mean, I know he's a, you know, he was a pretty prominent actor, but I don't think he's been in a lot where I'd be like, oh, that's immediately, that's who that is. But seeing him pop up in the show, I just thought to myself, what the hell? Like what weird, what weird game is my life playing where I just saw a picture of him <laughs> yeah. on social What relevance media? does this have? Exactly. Um, but I think that's what, I think we'll see a lot of that. This season, more Having than ever. Fun. I mean, yeah. this is already the the most light season, and they'll have uh, more fun, absolutely. The one thing we got, we touched on it before, is what happened to Lily, which I found very fascinating, only because I don't know what the point of it is yet, other than it's just another tally on the scoreboard that is Nora Durst's loss in, losses in life, is that she, I mean, at the end of season one, she thought Lily was a gift, after all of her suffering, losing her kids, and then to have that taken away yet again by uh, Christine, which it's very interesting because I kind of thought strange that they even really brought her back. Exactly, that's that what surprised I thought. me. I mean, yeah. I understand it as a story point, but um, I'm wondering if anything else is going to come of that, or just in general, just them bringing up people that you kind of forget about. I mean, that took did that take place in season one or season it did. two? It did in season one, and that goes back to uh, what I was talking about last week, which was that the a final season is done best when it does, when it starts from the beginning. Oh, absolutely. When it goes back to the beginning. And being able to kind of call that stuff out is always fascinating, uh, seeing that kind of connective tissue. So, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right, and you're onto something when you say that Nora is still very much in this place whether we saw it in the first episode or not. There was that, uh, the end towards the end of the episode when she hilariously, when she walks in on Kevin, uh, trying to asphyxiate himself, uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. But, but that, (laughs) that whole takeaway, you, that's a good pickup when you say, say that the first episode was very surface level of these people's lives. But if you go just a step deeper, Nora is still dealing with, with this tragedy but I feel I felt like her and Kevin were connecting mm-hmm. on that. The fact that going back to something that they touched on in season two, that they're both some pretty messed up individuals. Like they they do some messed up things, and they sort of uh, they sort of bonded over that so much so that she laughed about the idea of him, of him saying, "Oh, let's have a baby." Like let's try to li- lead this normal life. And kind of laughing at the absurdity of that. Like, no, I have a Wu-Tang Clan tattoo on my arm, and I walked in on you with a bag over your head. And I just <laughs> met one of the cast members of Perfect Strangers. Exactly. <laughs> and and I think that's, uh, again, great writing. I didn't pick up on that, but just sort of unpacking it now, the surface level to... And, and I am interested in seeing where the... I asked you this, and we can come back to it again if you're wanting to save it for later, but the idea of each episode sort of following a different individual. I am interested in uncovering more of everyone else's sort of deep, dark secrets. Uh, 
but and we'll talk about it more in, from this episode too. But this episode, they did throw us some bones to sort of push the story along. It did kind of feel like certain things are just like, oh, here's this, mm-hmm. it, you know, along with all the Nora stuff. But yeah. Um, the thing that kind of blew my mind as we were watching that reunion between Lily and Nora was that so much time has to have gone by for Lily to be like, we know from season to season, it's been what, two or three years. And, but as far as her not seeing Lily, a lot more time has passed than I originally thought. Right. For Lily to not even remember Nora. I mean, it could have been, based on my impression of the first episode, it could have been three months. It could have been a few days, a few weeks. Um, but yeah, I think that was what blew my mind, is that this is not something, this is not new for Lily to be gone, yet she is still very much in this place of sorrow over it. And uh, again, feeling like she was the mother of this child and have her taken away. And her scene with Tommy in the car was pretty heartbreaking, talking about how she didn't fight it at all, but she she's fighting it emotionally every well, day. And how he kind of broke her spirit as well by being real with her that, that he didn't leave the baby for her. It wasn't a gift for her. It was a gift. It wasn't even really a gift. It was for her dad so that her... For his dad. His dad, I'm sorry, so that his dad could look after the child. Uh I don't know. There's a there is a lot to take away from this episode. I don't. There want, is. I don't want it to to seem like. I, I I just don't think we expected this approach. Maybe it's from just the show. There's a lot to unpack, but maybe we're struggling with the impact of it because we expect especially it, right now we're expecting a lot more from the the rest of the season, especially as the final season. So again, though, the thing about a show like Lost and the show like The Leftovers is you have to learn how to watch it. And maybe we're just not, we're not being very good students. Well, the fun, you know what I mean? One of the fun things of of this episode, we kind of both pointed it out was the recurring theme of technology sort of failing Nora in the episode. Mm -hmm. Again, man of science, man of faith. Was that, was that coincidence or do you take anything away from that? Because it was all some very strange coincidence, but was that sort of planted in the show to test our faith of something potentially fantastical happening? Well, let's think about what actually what was actually happening. So the fir- so what was the first the one? first one? She was trying to book a flight, and it was asking her if she was going to be taking a child along with her, and, right. she, and she kept trying to select no, and it mm-hmm. wouldn't let her select no. It was reminding her right of Lily of her departed children. Uh, there was the. GPS coordinates when she was trying to go to Eminence, Kentucky, which is, uh, you know, that's in our state, which is a real place. And the GPS wouldn't work. And also her parking ticket, would, the machine wouldn't take her parking ticket. Right. Um, is there anything to take away from that? I don't I don't know the pattern other than, like, I, I get the show wanting Nora to arrive and finally see Lily and sort of confront Christine in that way. But I don't I can't. sort of goes the, along the with first, the whole whole uh, Nora cursed. The first sort of yeah, the first one's just a shitty reminder. Nora yeah. can't catch a break. She can't even go to the airport without thinking of a Lily. What are the machines in the guilty remnant now? The living <laughs> reminders, right? <laughs> I I'm gonna be really disappointed if we find out that they actually filmed in Kentucky. There's no way that they did because no. there'd be no point. You could recreate <laughs> Kentucky in just about anywhere. It's but, a very uh, basic place but it reminded me of the fact that lindelof's wife went to uk 
I remember I saw her speak at an engagement. <laughs> that nuts. You think Damon was in the audience? No, I, it Why wasn't. A, it wasn't a big audience. I would have known if he was there. It wasn't very big. I mean, it was in like a a room, maybe twice the size of this. So I don't know what you want me to tell you. <laughs> um, I do find it awesome though that Nora seems to be starting fires, uh, and basically. We saw it in the last, her, was it her last scene, I think, when she finally throws up that picture of the man from the pillar. It was one of her to last basically, scenes. To basically throw it in everybody's face. And she just wants to make sure that if she's miserable, that everyone else is miserable with her. Yeah. I mean, I I understand where she's coming from, too. I mean, with, and I don't know if this is necessarily because the guilty rem, remnant isn't as a parent right now, but the faith in this community, her, her brother, Matt must be one hell of a preacher because he's got everybody believing right now. And of course, Jarden in general has always been susceptible to stuff like that. You know, all the, the sort of ritualistic stuff they embark upon, but I mean, he's got everybody kind of drinking the Kool-Aid, so to speak on whatever it is that he's preaching. And I'm sure we can touch on that a little, in a little bit, but for her to sort of be that person to, sh- to to shove it in people's faces, like, look, this shit that you think is real is not. Um, it, it's probably a tough pill for those people to swallow. And again, another very interesting dynamic for the show to take. I think I'm ready to talk about that moment right now. Let's so you, you've already referenced it, the scene where referenced it, the scene where she walks in on him um, with the bag over his head, and I just have to gloat. Because I was right last week. I thought that, I mean, a lot of people were asking, is he actually killing himself and going over? Right. I didn't. That was the mystery, yeah. Yeah. And my take was sort of that he's just doing it sort of masturbatory. I don't think he's killing himself every time uh, because I don't know how he would get himself out of that because it was so, there was a mission in International Assassin to get himself brought That's back right. out of it. And the same with the karaoke moment in the season two finale. But I don't, we haven't seen evidence of any missions. It just seems like he's doing it. It, it was definitely a question, I think, as the audience, we were supposed to ask ourselves. I, oh, definitely, definitely, and, definitely. Uh, and the, the scene where he jumped into the the water last week, I mean, that was another thing where he was openly trying to kill himself to see if it would work. Right. Um, so it was a valid question. I just, that's not, that wasn't my take from it, but um definitely an interesting scene uh for sure i I called it when she was walking up the stairs that she was going to walk in on him doing that and i think it's kevin in general has has his character has come such a long way from in season one this this very angsty hardened individual who just was throwing up the middle finger to everybody and everything just he had a lot of problems going through a lot of stuff yeah um season two sort of you know, trying to make things normal again and move forward with life. I mean, that seemed to be most of the goal. Uh, and then obviously dealing with all the Patty stuff. And in this one, he just seems, honestly, to me, just seems like a normal guy living his day-to-day life. Except. With the, with, with, with the exception of the fact that he's still, he's still battling some demons inside. And, uh, but he, Every time he's on screen, See, I, I don't think I don't get that though. I don't think he's battling demons. Well, I don't necessarily know if he's battling demons in the way where I he, see it as more of like a. Again, I don't want to use the word masturbatory again, but I see it as like sort of a, a high 
maybe yeah, maybe that he that he's cheating death or or on the edge of death all the time he's carrying some and, he's carrying some just general baggage i mean this is a guy who's seen some crazy shit doesn't know how, what to make of it right somebody's writing There's, a, a book up sure. in the bible about him and he like i feel like he wants to be normal he wants to live a normal life and just have a family and be happy but because of all this stuff like he's almost uh He's almost not downplaying; it's the wrong word, but uh, just refusing to accept these right. things or even approach it. Because I feel like he knows. Obviously, I'm just speculating, but I feel like he knows if he goes anywhere near this, it's going to consume him. One right. like if he were to just openly say, "Yes, I did rise from the dead. I am your new Messiah." Sure, it'd be a very different show. What I loved about the episode is the way Nora reacted because. I'm paraphrasing, but her dialogue was that she didn't judge him or she understood the fact that he had to do this because this was a person who in season one was paying prostitutes to shoot her. So she has had her own form of this as well. The only exception being she hasn't died and been resurrected twice. It it was an echo. Um, It was an echo of the conversation from season two they had. Yeah. Because so, uh, Remind me of that conversation. Kevin Kevin was confiding in her that uh, he was still seeing Patty. And oh, right. And that's when she told him that she paid yeah. prostitutes yeah, to shoot right. her in the chest and, and that everything was okay. Right. Yeah. And and that would be out of character. If these if these two people said anything that shocked the other, like that should that shouldn't happen. <laughs> Only because we had a couple of those scenes in season two where they just let everything go. And there were no judgments. And that's the world that we're in now. So there's nothing that the other can say that will shock them. And that's smart writing. I mean, that's yes. that's the show being self-aware and understanding the characters that it's developed. That I mean, you could have easily had that be like this big dramatic thing, arguing, crying, tears being shed. And I mean, obviously, it was a very emotional scene as well. Because they were both very vulnerable in very vulnerable situations, but it just it was handled very uh, very nicely. I think definitely. Let's talk about the last scene, the last, the last sequence. Ten minutes we got because I checked the time uh, last week when we ventured off. Well, let let's talk about how this is sort of playing out. She, yeah, she got the phone call in that uh, last scene in Jordan, basically saying, you know meet us in Australia for $20,000 uh, and we'll show you this machine or whatever that can get you over into the other world. Now, before we go, before our conversation goes to Australia, one thing that I'm wondering about is how the show is going to get other characters to Australia as, exactly as well. exactly what I was going to ask. Yeah. I mean, I don't, unless the only answer is Kevin's leaving and Matt is just like, you can't leave. You're a part of this thing. And he just reveals to everyone the book, like, no, this is your Messiah. Everybody follow him. I have to follow him. You know, maybe Tommy has to go because he's been apart from his dad for so long. That he feels like he needs to go as well. But then the question is raised. Why does uh, John Murphy tag along? Well, he's a so, follower too. He's a believer in what Matt's writing. Oh, that's true. But yeah. he doesn't have to, I don't know. I guess it depends on if they decide that he has to witness everything. 
Um, my my guess was sort of that we also, we also don't know what's written in that book. Like we don't. Yeah, know. yeah, yeah. I mean, John I Murphy mean, could be is probably a part of it. We know the skeleton of it, which is just basically what the show has been about, right? But um, I was thinking that it's it's also possible that maybe Nora just eventually lets everyone know what she's doing, and they are intrigued by it and think that it's part of the story. And that something like miraculous right. is going to happen because Kevin's around because they feel like this is the next step in a plot that they're developing. Like they want it to be the, like you always joke and people always joke that I want to make my life of a, make a movie of my life. Maybe that's what they're doing. They're trying to investigate and find the story like a journalist would. So I can maybe see a nice blend of both of our theories. Yeah, I can maybe. see that. Um, but anyway, that's a great point. We're going to have to find out how all these folks get to Australia. Um, but the 10 minutes at the end, that was, that was surprising to me that we got as much as we did. And I have a lot. I want to talk about that because last week we only got about maybe three minutes of that scene at the end with Nora. Yes, that was Nora again, but that there was some confusion. I think with people that 100% was Nora. Okay. Remind me. The stuff that we see in Jarden, how many years does that take place after the departure? Is it seven years? So season one of the show starts three years after the sudden departure. It's the three-year anniversary in the premiere. So I think season four starts four years so it's only been a year gap, and then from season two to season three, it's been three more years because they're leading up to right. the seventh. So here's the issue here. Lily's age is also also the tell. There are people, yeah, they do. I, th- I thought it was two years between the events of season two and season three. I guess it, maybe it was three years. Regardless. it would It would have to be three. Okay, regardless. The stuff that we saw at the end, Via the newscast, they talk about the seven-year, uh, the, the seventh anniversary, I believe. I probably need to watch it again, but it is. The people in Australia are not just aware of this Kevin phenomenon of him being some sort of deity, spiritual figure. They're actively practicing whatever it is that they're doing. I mean, what the hell are we supposed to take from that? The fact that there's already people across the world who are actively practicing whatever this sort of Kevinism is, well, Kevin religion. Think about another um, bit of dialogue between Kevin and Nora, which is the fact that Matt says that there's only one copy. Exactly. That's that he's lie. writing. That's Matt's lie. It has to be. Okay. Matt has you think to, he's been distributing this. Yes, and Matt lied to Kevin to keep Kevin from freaking out about it. But this is obviously a thing. And we know that because of the date that they're in in Australia because they reference um they reference October 15th and I help me out here. Would they reference October 15th? Is that because Australia is actually ahead of us in time or is it just because they're wondering what's going to happen? They're ahead of us that, like a day in time. Okay. So that's why they're not ahead of us like so that, three months. That's why. <laughs> right, oh, I know. That's so. That's why it's October fifteenth to them, but it's right. October fourteenth to uh, here. Okay, in, so in they America. established all that. Yeah, interesting. 
Yeah, they well, talked about that on the news. We saw in the first episode, uh, John's son, who was sort of working with Matt. Yeah, he was on the computer doing some things. I thought he was typing it, but they had said that that entire manuscript was handwritten. So whatever he was doing on the computer, perhaps he was spreading it. I mean, blogging about it. Maybe there's if, a website. If that and if that's the case, it's not super far fetched, especially when you take into consideration that first cold opening that we got. Yeah, of. You don't need a major spiritual movement to have some sort of effect like this. You only need like a small group of people to a certain extent to do things like drown a police chief. You know, right. <laughs> like, it, it doesn't take something like that. The The only other reason why um, I'm confident in that time frame is because I don't think the show has any intent on exploring any period of time after said seven year anniversary, because the question, whether we believe it or not, the question is, is there going to be an apocalypse? So why would the show give you a flash forward where there's not an apocalypse? Well, well, the Nora thing, shit that goes against my theory because they show Nora being old in Australia. Well, and and it's funny. (laughs) It's funny too, because that old thing, uh, her being old, the woman at the nun at the church asked her, doesn't do you know? I think she said, does the name Kevin ring a bell? Maybe or it was a, the same question. Hold on. There was a form of that same question in this episode. Yeah. And it's just, I don't know. It's crazy how much weight that's all holding. And I don't know what to make of that newscast we saw. I don't know if the reporter was making a joke saying that, you know, there was a swarm of locusts coming through. I don't know if that was a joke. Or if even somebody like a newscaster is believing what are Australians known for their sense of humor? I mean, yeah, they are. Have you ever seen Crocodile Dundee? <laughs> I mean, I I don't know, but it's just I, what a strange thing to say on a newscast I, like that. I feel I don't feel confident anymore in my theory. <laughs> I feel like I've said a lot of things that are true. <laughs> I mean, it, I remember it very vividly. You talked about like. Uh, a swarm of locusts. No, and that's it. I, I was talking about what I was unpacking. Oh, okay. which was that the show wouldn't show. So maybe that maybe well, that was part of a flash forward. Have you? I don't know if you want. But me to, I don't. I don't know if you want me to read. Do you know what the titles of some of uh, the episodes have been? Have you looked into it? Yes, and I'm trying to forget them. The last yes. episode has two titles one official and one that was named something else oh well i know of one but i don't know if the one i know is fake or real so on the tv showtime app and then i've searched should we do this i start well why not we can tease it why not so it was on the tv showtime app at one point it's not like that anymore the last episode was called the book of nora was called it is called the book of nora now on the tv showtime app at one point the episode was called something about like a perfectly logical explanation for the departures or something like that. Are you familiar with this? No, I only saw the book of Nora. Oh, okay. I, I thought you were going to tell me that that no, was no, the no. fake title. I saw at one point you can Google this phrase and it, it shows up as an official title. It, it's, it's something along the lines of a perfectly logical explanation for uh for the departures. I'm worried that we just phantom menaced everybody on our own podcast. What do you mean? Because before the phantom menace came out, 
the score came out with the track Qui-Gon's death <laughs> and everyone was pissed. Right. And I feel like we just made a huge mistake bringing that up. Well, I don't think everyone's going to appreciate that. Well, look, here, here's the thing. It's not the official name anymore. I don't know where. I'm talking about the Book of Nora. We revealed the official name. Oh, well, that, it's out there for people to. What does it matter if that's I what don't it's know. called? I feel like people are going to get mad. It's fine. Nobody cares. Okay. Well, I feel I'm a little ashamed. I feel like my theories aren't uh, locked tight anymore. It's fine. The show, there's a lot to dig through. There'll with, be a lot of discovery this week. But look, the, with the end of the, the episode, them going. So what is what, what do you make of, of this? These people are searching for Kevin. I don't know what he's, spo- he's supposed to represent to these people. I mean, obviously some sort of just individual, uh, Messiah, supposed individual, we saw his dad. That's another thing I don't know what to make of things too, because <laughs> his dad communicated with him in the hotel. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. He told him. How to, yeah. What the hell is that about? Who knows? Was that real or was that fake? He said he was in Australia. I mean, we're going to find out next week. It looks to be a... Uh, I mean, I would assume that because International Sass and him being in the hotel was real. Right. That the TV would be real, too. Yeah, but I mean, his that was father being able to communicate with him into that world is fascinating. He looks like he is into some, like, voodoo witch doctor shit down there in Australia. I mean, who knows? I, I don't know what to make of it, but it, it looks like... And I asked you this question earlier, and I'll ask you again because we're, I guess, coming to the end. But yeah. It looks like the next episode is going to be centric around a character again. It looks like it's going to be his dad, who honestly we haven't spent that much time with in the show. <laughs> no, not really. I mean, every time he's been on the screen, he's been incredibly fascinating. I mean, yeah. I Scott I, Glenn, man, I bite on everything he, he's throwing out there so much so that correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was in season one he had an episode where they talked. He talked about like a National Geographic. That was the episode where he broke out of his mental institution and uh, started hanging out with Jill and he like gave her a National Geographic, I think. And then he found Kevin found it later on and threw it away. And then I think I think that popped back up um, in one of the maybe it was the same episode. Kevin and him have a scene at a diner at night. Yeah. And something about it, they that bring scene. up that National Geographic well, again. Wasn't there some a mystery in that episode that hasn't been revealed yet? Where did, did he like whisper something to him and you didn't know what it was, or he wrote something down on like a? I think I, when I was making my movie of the leftover season one, I removed that scene, <laughs> so I haven't rewatched it in a while. Yeah, some, but I'm sure there are clues in there. But there's so much to take away from him. Obviously, with the rest of the theme of the show. His father has been has had this looming thing about him where he may or may not be schizophrenic yeah. to a certain extent. And with all the crazy stuff that's going on in the show, it's always in the back of your mind that are the things that he's saying, do they hold any weight at all? Uh, obviously, him popping up in International Assassin was a huge, huge thing. But I want to know what... what his deal is with these sort of uh, acolytes, if you will, these followers of the Book of Kevin, and what uh, what the, what role he plays. It looks like we're going to find that out more. Do you think we're going that every single episode of this season is going to be mainly centered around one character? No, 
Um, if not, do you think it's a misstep for them to do it? I mean, so far it looks like we're going to have at least two. It's just not something the show does that often. I mean, they do it from time to time. I, well, sometimes, sometimes they do it, but it's in a, it's kind of disguised in a way. Like in season one, the Nora episode was so obvious. Right. Because it was the first time we dove into her character. Part of it was like There was a Matt centric episode in the first yeah, season. Yeah, there was a well. Matt centric episode that um that was so obvious as well. But like the Nora episode is a season two, it's a little more gray because other characters were plenty involved in the same setting uh, all yeah. along. And plus like Kevin, anything that's primarily about Kevin, I don't consider to be one of those character centric episodes, only because he's the main character. So I would I would just see that as a regular episode. If Kevin's leading the charge, I feel like that is developing the leftovers, not just focusing on Kevin. The entire you know what I mean? the entire first episode of the second season was a Murphy centric episode. Right. The entire family. And then the second and, episode being about the Garveys, that was the right track. Yeah, and maybe maybe it's not fair for me to say that the show doesn't do that that often. I think it does kind of whatever it wants to do. The show tells whatever story it wants to tell in whatever manner it wants to tell it so whether it's a character centric episode or a family centric episode or just everybody in general so maybe it's not fair for me to 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 put that out there into the world and they're probably completely justified in doing it uh but it is interesting i guess in the third and final season you expect the story to be a little bit, maybe a little bit more linear, but maybe not. I don't know. I'm just excited to see where it goes. <laughs> yeah. I've definitely kind of turned around a little bit. The more we talked about it, because yeah. at first I didn't know how much we were going to be able to say about the episode. Uh, I feel a lot better as we're talking some of this stuff out and what it might mean overall. Um, my final thought that I have really is that in that final sequence, I just kind of stood up because I was so excited. It was a great moment. Um, I always talk about how much I love how creative they get and how they build these worlds and, or how they build this world with all of the characters in it. And seeing someone test someone's um, ability to die, essentially, because they yeah. found the wrong Kevin searching for the one in the book of Kevin. I mean, that was awesome. I was so excited to see that kind of thing. I thought it was so cool. Um, but I think... That is the best example of, and I'm returning back to my main point, which is that faith um, leads you to ridiculous places. And the fact that there are still people doing things like that, um, I think that that is another great example of that. I think it's, I think too, the whole thing about those final sequences is you really do have to kind of pay attention really closely to a lot of minor details like that newscast thing. And, now that I'm thinking about it, it seems as if what's going on here is that these individuals who follow the book of Kevin might not have all of the information necessary and they're like, or interpret it differently. Exactly. Much like the Bible. They read it and they see Kevin is a uh, police chief and that's all they have to go by. It doesn't say anything about where he's located, that he's in America. And like anybody that reads uh, <laughs> like religious texts, they probably think it's just about them. So let's go look for Kevin in Australia. Yeah. Uh, and that's sort of where they, they ended up. But it's fascinating. It's such an interesting take. But uh, I feel I, a lot better. That's good. <laughs> that's good. That's why things like, like this are important. But exactly, next, I don't know what to make of the next episode. Like, Get ready, though. We're, we're going to have a bunch of Scott Glenn. Um, I think we might. 
I don't know if they're gonna if everyone else is gonna end up in Australia. That might be what episode four is. Yeah. Um but anyway, I I uh much like you kind of hang on every word he says. He's really uh um really interesting to pay attention to. Another thing that I'm looking forward to is as we were recording, uh one of our favorite T V podcasts, The Watch, posted an interview with Damon Lindelof. Uh, oh yeah, that's and, right. I forgot they, that was coming out. They talk about this episode in particular. So maybe they're gonna say a whole lot of things that are much smarter than what you got here today. Um, so I can't wait. <laughs> well, one of my favorite things about listening to anything Damon Lindelof says, because he obviously writes so uh, complex stories in anything he's been involved in, whether it be Lost or Prometheus, which we talked a little bit about today as well, uh, he always gives people something yes. to go off of. And he knows exactly how much to give and how much to withhold. So He had a fun interview uh Last week with Variety's podcast, Remote Controlled, uh, they talked a little bit about what you might expect in uh, season three. And he did warn us that we're going to get a lot of Scott Glenn. And here we are talking about uh, episode three. So um, those are that's another podcast I don't know if you ever listen to, but you should definitely check it out. I probably should, yeah. Big fan of some of the stuff Variety does. But you got anything else for this episode? No. Um, I think that's it. And uh, two episodes down, six to go. I'm excited. Final season. So you guys can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Sight Sound Pod. Also on Facebook, facebook.com slash Sight Sound Pod. This is Sight and Sound where we discuss music, movies, and television. For more content like this, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and find everything that we're talking about, whether it's Sight and Sound Weekly covering the hottest topics in music, movies, and television. I do a music episode every single Friday. We also have a YouTube channel as we've talked about, uh, go to YouTube and search for it or find the link in the description box of this podcast. Hit the subscribe button for video content. My name is Jay Williams. You can find me at Jay Williams. Share to the A to the Y to the E on Twitter and Instagram. It's the same for both. You can find me on Twitter at WhatUpSnell and on Instagram at Ryan Snelling. Please tweet at me. Let's talk about the leftovers. Let's talk about whatever you want to talk about. I would love to do that. Thank you so much. We will see you next week. Thank you.